Today's shiur is Soito Davchof Vov. Before we begin the actual Gemara text, by simply skimming ahead, you'll notice a series of triangles, each one highlighting the expression Pshita, meaning something seems to be obvious. And on the side of the Gemara, we have a Mivne, a structural note, where a triangle appears, and we've written Pshita. Uh, that's the highlighted word. Sidra shel halochas hashnuyus b'mishnah. We have a series of halochas that are taught in the Mishnah. Shekol achas, each one lechayra. At first glance, seems to be pshita, seems to be obvious, and uh, that which is obvious need not be taught in the Mishnah. So let's go through each one of those halochas. The shear begins fourteen lines from the bottom of Daf Chof Vov Omed Aleph. The Mishnah taught Ashes Mamzer le Mamzer, the wife of a Mamzer, who's married to a Mamzer. Uh, both of them are Mamzerim, and the Mamzer had warned his wife, who was a Mamzeris. Uh, why, uh, why are we emphasizing that? We're talking about it's a legitimate marriage. It's a kosher marriage. And the Mishnah said either she drinks in the event, of course, that she became a Sota, or if she refuses to do thusly, she loses her ksuba. So on this, the Gemara asks, Pshita, is this not obvious? What's different about this marriage than any other regular marriage where a wife who becomes a suspect is subjected to the rules of Sota. The Gemara answers, Mahu Detema. I might have thought, without it being taught in the Mishnah, that Afushi Psulim Lo Lefush. Afushi means increase. What is the status of the child of a Mamzer couple? He too is a Mamzer. Mamzer is someone illegitimate and not accepted to be, to, not acceptable to marry into the rank and file of the Jewish people. So this kind of couple, if the woman is then found to be innocent, she goes back to her husband and they have more children. So it might have been in our national interest, so to speak, that she shouldn't have the SOTA uh, option, which would enable her, after falling under suspicion, to have her innocence proven by the drinking of the water with her coming out, nothing happening to her. Uh, and as I said before, that would simply result in their getting back together and having more children. So maybe she shouldn't have the the privilege of the uh, Sota process. Komash Malon, the Mishnah reveals to us that even so, she does have the benefit of the process uh, that we know as the Sota process, and hence uh, her innocence can be established and go back to her husband and have more Mamzer children. Eshes Ger, the Eved, Meshuchor, the wife of a convert, or the wife of a slave who was freed, uh, a slave who was freed gains the status of a equivalent of a regular Jew. So, once again, you have uh, a, an acceptable marriage. A, a, a Jewish woman marries a convert. That's a wonderful marriage. Uh, why does the Mishnah have to teach that if she falls under suspicion that uh, she has the option of drinking the soda water. Is that obvious? Pshita. The more asks, is it not simple? Is it not obvious? Why does this need to be taught? Mahu de Tema, without the Mishnah teaching this, I would have thought, based on the Pusuk, it says, Daber el Bnei Israel, 
This, of course, is in the Parsha of Sotas. You can see on the side from Bamidbar Hay Posuk Yud Beis, uh, where the uh, Almighty instructs Moshe Rabbeinu to speak to the Bnei Israel. Velo Gerim. I would have thought Bnei Israel is an expression that says that the Parsha of Sota applies to Bnei Israel, not to converts. Komash Molon. So the mission reveals that's not the way to look at the Pasuk. The Gemara asks, Eim v'eim ohochinami. Well, one second, maybe that really is the meaning of the Pasuk, that Bnei Israel is here to exclude the community of converts, and the Parsha of Sota would have no relevance to them. The Gemara responds, v'omarta, the word v'omarta appears in that Pasuk, ribuya hu. Even though you, you would translate it as uh, and say to them, but it's a word that has this ability of adding more to the simple reading of the Pusik. So even though the simple reading of the Pusik may have sounded like an exclusion of converts, that is not so. The Mishnah said, Ashes Kayin Shoisa, the wife of a Kohen. Woman is married to a Kohen and she falls under suspicion. Uh, she was warned not to be with so and so, and then she goes into seclusion. So the Mishnah tells us that the Kohen brings his wife to the base of Mikdash and she drinks the salt water. Isn't all that obvious? Pshita! Mahu de Tema. Here the Gemara explains what I would have thought without the Mishnah. The Pasuk says, in the Parsha of Sota. It says, V'hi loy nitpasa. Asura. It's, the Pasuk describes the woman, uh, if she was not nitpasa, if she was not raped, uh, and she had intimacy, that's a willing partner. It's a willing partner. Asura. A woman like that who has uh, intimacy in a non-rape context, meaning uh, a willing uh, intimacy with another man, she becomes prohibited to her husband. Now we can infer from this that the Parsha of Sota is describing a woman that Ha Nitposa had she yes been raped, Muteris. She would be allowed to go back to her husband. That happens to be true with regard to most of the Jewish people. The realm of Kohanim is an exception. Vizu, Vizu means the wife of a Kohen. Even if she was raped, and that's of course a very unfortunate situation, nevertheless, the Almighty rules that she is not allowed to return to her husband. Vizu, Vizu is a pronoun referring to the Aisha's Kohen. Asura. Since, in her case, even if she is raped, she is forbidden to go to back to her husband. I would have thought that the Parsha of Sota is not relevant. Literally, she doesn't drink. Meaning that the Sota procedure is not relevant to her. Once again, the Torah says in the Parsha of Sota, the kind of woman that we're describing in the Parsha of Sota is a woman that if she is not raped, she's a willing partner, she's also. But if she was raped, she would be permitted to go back to her husband. The wife of a Kohen, it doesn't fit in that category. Because even if she is raped, she cannot go back to her husband. So I would have thought that the Parsha of Sota has no relevance to the wives of Kohanim. Komash Molon, our Mishnah tells us that 
Even so, the Parsha of Sota does have relevance to the wives of Kohanim, and she has the option to drink. The Mishnah said, Eishes Kohen Shoisa Umuteres Lebailo. The wife of a Kohen, uh, if she drinks the Sota water and uh, nothing happens to her, so she's allowed to uh, go back to her husband, the Kohen. Pshita, is that not obvious? She drank, nothing happens, she goes back to her husband. Omar Rav Huna, Bimisnavna. Our uh, Mishnah is describing a case of that wife of a Kohen, after she drinks, she starts to become ill. She starts to decline. The Gemara says, Oh, Misnafna Habotku Amaya. Well, that's a sign that she was involved with immorality. Why would she then be allowed to go back to her husband? The Gemara answers, Bemisnavna Derech Evorim. We're describing the this wife of a Kohen that starts to uh, decline in health, but not in the regular way of a immoral woman after drinking the water. The normal way is first her belly starts to uh, bloat and her her legs or her feet start to fall using the language of the pulsic more or less what happens here She's, her health starts to decline but uh, starting from her head that's Derech Rashi says you can notice the Rashi about a quarter of the way, way up from the end she isn't declining through her belly and her legs rather her head and other limbs feel heavy upon her so let's go over that go by going on in the Gemara. Once again, the Mishnah with the wife of the Kohen, she starts to decline, but Derechivorim through other limbs. Mahu Detema. I might have thought, namely without the Mishnah, I would have thought. Oh, here's a wife of a coin. She drank the water and she starts to decline health-wise in an an unusual uh, fashion. I would have thought, Ha Zanuye Zanoi. This wife of the Kohen was was in fact involved with an an act of sexual intimacy. The Ha Delobad Kuamaya Ki Urche The reason that the water doesn't check her out, doesn't have the effect in the normal Sota fashion. Mishum zanoi Because her intimacy was not a willing intimacy, it was through a rape. And when it comes to a Kohen, a rape, in fact, would make the wife prohibited. So that this 
misnavna in the unusual way when it comes to an Asius Kohen is really a sign of prohibition. Chomash Malon, the Mishnah tells us not to say that. But rather, she is allowed to go back to her husband. Why this is happening to her? Uh, so, so maybe uh, maybe it's some type of a viral attack or some other, we'll, say, we'll, we'll call it a, a non-punishment uh, for immorality of, uh, or it's a non-reaction because if you're, you know, even according to the Havamin, if we're going to set it up as a case of rape, it's, we're not dealing with a sin but we're dealing with a, with a topic that would create prohibition. So the, the final point is that there is no element of prohibition whatsoever that this um, physical decline would indicate. Why it's happening to her, that's not relevant to our discussion. But one thing is for sure, as far as the Maskona of the Gemara, the fact that the Mishnah says she's Muteris Labaila indicates that there was no problem of uh, some type of forbidden intimacy. Aishis Soris Shaisa. A Soris is a man who is incapable of procreation. The Mishnah says that a woman married to a Soros, if she is found to have violated his warning not to be in private with so-and-so, she is brought to the base of Mikdash to drink the waters as a sota. Moses says, Pshita, is that not obvious? Mahu de Temo, without the Mishnah, I would have thought, Mi Isheikh Omar Rahmona, the Pasuk in the case in the Parshav Sota says Mi Isheikh. The implication, again on a on a translation level, as Rashi says, Mashma di Isha, her husband Bar Hochihu, a regular healthy male spouse. That's what I would have thought the Torah is addressing, namely a woman who is who falls under suspicion of being with a man other than her own healthy, regular, productive male. Husband and the high la bar hochihu high is the soros is not in that category of of a of a regular healthy man. He's not a bar hochi. Bar hochi means a a healthy fit male. And we say healthy, we're talking in the realm of uh, reproduction. Komashmalon. The Mishnah reveals to us that the Torah is not insistent on that type of husband in order for the sota process to be relevant. We take a look at Rashi. Komash Molon de la Mikdam Shrivas Baal Leboyel Hudaosa. The Pasik that says Mi Baladei Sheikh comes to tell us a rule that we've learned in the past that in order for the sota process to set in, all that we that we require is that the husband had been the one to have the first act of intimacy with her before the paramour. That's what we learned from Mibaladei Isheikh. Thesaurus bar shchivahu. Thesaurus, he is capable of having uh, intimacy with a woman. Theafagav delav bar zriahu. Even though he's not capable of zriah's seed, male seed, he's not capable of reproduction. He doesn't have that uh, c- capacity to him. But as far as <clears throat> lying together with a woman in in uh, in an intimate fashion, that he is able to do. Let's turn back to the Gemara. Al yidei kol arayas mekanin. A husband can warn his wife 
with regard to any man, including men that are forbidden to his wife anyway. Her father, her brother, and if she's found to have violated his uh, warning, uh, not, namely his wife went into seclusion with her father, the Soto process sets in and she can be made to drink. Moses says, Pshita. Is that not obvious? That the husband has a right to warn against these uh, these arayas as well. The more continues at the top of Omid Beis. Mahu detema. Without the Mishnah, I would have thought nitmeo nitmeo. The word nitmo appears several times in the parsha, and we learn from the repetition of the word nitmo shnei pamim echad lebal vechad leboil. In this case, we're referring to two times that the word nitmo appears. One is to tell us about the prohibition to. The Baal, she, uh, Sota woman is not allowed to be with her husband in intimacy anymore until, of course, she drinks. And she is not allowed to be with the Boel, with the paramour. She's forbidden to both. And basically, the Parsha of Sota also includes cases where uh, we know she had been uh, involved with forbidden relations. And a woman that was w- a willing partner in forbidden relations with another man, she becomes prohibited to her husband, and she becomes prohibited, and I'm emphasizing the word here, becomes. Through the intimacy with the outsider, she becomes prohibited to him as well. Namely, if her husband dies, she cannot go and marry that paramour. So, I would have thought without the Mishnah that the Pasha of Sota has relevance to a Boel, to a paramour, that only because of this act of intimacy does she become prohibited. But with regard to other forbidden relatives, her father, her brother, are they also only because of this intimacy? No. Since she is prohibited anyway to them, I might have thought that the Parsha of Sota doesn't have relevance to a man like that, to, a, to an erva. So the Mishnah tells us that, in fact, the husband can warn against uh, her being in seclusion with a man that's also to her anyway, even without an act of intimacy. We take a look at the Rashi, four lines from the top. Komash Malon, the Chiyosa Kro, the Posik, comes to tell us the Gufeyosa for its own sake. The Posik is telling me that when he's not, the, the Boel, the paramour, if he's not a relative, that paramour becomes usher through this warning that she received not to be with him. However, it's not coming here to exclude the possibility of a kino, of a warning with regard to other forbidden relatives. We continue. Our Mishnah taught that the husband's warning to the to his wife uh, has uh, relevance makes her could make her ulcer if she's in seclusion with uh, with him with that paramour with the exception of a kotna minor and me she'enoish that's an expression that the Gemara will have to explain shortly 
The Gemara explains Ish Amar Achmana Velo Katan. The Torah says V'shachav Ish Osab. If a man, an adult, has uh, intimacy with her, so she becomes prohibited to her husband and to the paramour. The word Ish means, that in this case, an adult to the exclusion of a minor. So a minor is not what is not included in the Torah's portion dealing with the Sota. V'she'eno ish mai. And now, before we go into this particular Omad of Gemara, we have a word or two regarding the structure. On the side of the Gemara, we have a Nosei, Mivneh heading. We combine the topic with the structural note together. Triangles are featured. They represent uh, Shlavim. And you'll see a, uh, the use also of a double underline uh, highlighting the words Elamo and Ella. These are Shlavim, uh, the stages. Levarer, to clarify, Hodikotoni ein mekanim al yedei mi she'eno ish. What do we mean by that? That there's no kinui, there's no warning, meaning there, there's no uh, relevance of a warning to a woman not to be with an eno ish. As we said, the markings... Uh, convey the idea of, a, of stages of analysis. If your eye is sharp and you're a, uh, let's say, a seasoned Gamora Markings Shas Ozer uh, participant, you will notice that on this summit there are a number of bracketed sections. How does your eye catch that? Notice a vertical dash dotted line running to the side of the Gemara text. Sometimes it's on the right hand side, sometimes on the left hand side, but nevertheless, let your eye catch those vertical dashed lines. On this Omid, uh, I hope you see there are three of those. Those are bracketed sections. We're going to take a bird's eye view of this Omid before learning the text. And then we're going to we'll present the bird's eye reading of the Gemara before getting into the entire Gemara. So, first of all, you notice triangles numbered down the right-hand side, one, two, and three. It means we have three stages uh, in order to figure out what is meant by mi she'eno ish. Notice the double underline expressions. So the first approach is if Mishen Oish is coming to exclude a Shachuf. We'll have to explain what a Shachuf is. It's a person who's uh, he's, he's quite ill. It's a person whose uh, skin is, is uh, deteriorating, is, is slipping off of his body. He, he's quite ill. And his, the manifestation of his illness is through his his flesh is it seems from Rashi uh, it's, it's decomposing while he's still alive. So maybe that's what an enoish is. The Gemara says that is not correct. It rejects that. Do you see where the triangle number one is? It says the Gemara there says if the 
Mishnah is excluding a Shachuf, it means that ki, there's no kinui with regard to a Shachuf. From our Shmuel, Shachuf mekanen al yodo uposel betruma. There are two points that Shmuel makes, and we dashed underline mekanen al yodo that kinui does have relevance to a Shachuf. So that's not what's being excluded by the Mishnah. You skip the bracketed section, you hit a triangle number two, and the double underline Vielo, Lemute Oyve Kechavim. Maybe what the Mishnah is saying is that Kinui, a husband, if he issues a warning, but the, the subject of his warning is an idol worshipper, is a Gentile, so it has no uh, halachic import. Namely, if she is found to be in seclusion with, an, with a Gentile, she will not be prohibited to her husband. But that's not true. As you see there at stage two, uh, same two points that we saw before by the Shachuf, we see here, and it says by that Kinui does have relevance with regard to an idol worshiper. So that, that can't be the Pshat in the Mishnah. Notice we have a long bracketed section again. You drop down and you hit triangle number three. On that line it says, well, the mai. So then at this point in the Gemara, we, so what is Mishay Noish coming to exclude from the Parsha of Sota? Amarav Papa, Limute Behema. The Ains Nuspe Behema. So he answers, if a man warns his wife, I don't want you to be in private uh, with Rover the dog. And she goes into uh, a locked room with Rover the dog. She will not become usher to her husband. Now, it's forbidden, of course, for a human being to have, uh, to have intimacy with an animal. It's punishable by stoning, by court execution. Very, very severe offense. However, it doesn't fall into the Parsha of Sota. So even though it's a prohibited type of uh, sexual intimacy, nevertheless, it doesn't fall under, uh, under the heading of a Sota. Why? And the Mishnah says because there's no Znus by a Behemoth. We'll have to explain that at greater length a bit, little bit later. But at that point, we have reached our conclusion as to what Ainoish is. It might, in fact, be the simplest answer because when you translate the expression, uh, it says there's no kinui regarding someone that's not a man. Well, what is not a man? An animal. So there's no kinui with regard to animals. That's the conclusion of the Gemara. So, you, can you see, I hope everyone sees, I know that we're spending a lot of time with regard to structure, but it will make things much easier when we get into the Gemara text itself. That You see the three stages, and as far as what is contained in the brackets, so you'll see each time the brackets analyzes the statements that were made immediately before them, but they get in, involved with details. As far as the procedure in discovering what does Eino Ish mean, you, you see that by having taken the approach we've done, the bird's eye view using the markings. And now we turn to the Gemara, to uh, learn the Gemara straight through without all of the skippings.
V'she'eno ish limutemai, and we're at the line where you see triangle number one. What does the Mishnah mean that there is no kinui with regard to an eno ish? If the intention is that uh, if the husband would warn not to be with a man that's in the that is physically in the shochuf state, his uh, his body is, is is decomposing while he's still alive. His skin is turning hard, is is deteriorating. Uh, well, and, and some, someone like that would not be the uh, the the subject of a kinui. Well, that's not true. Vamar Shmuel Shochuf Mekanen Al Yado Posel Betruma Kinui would be effective. And if let us say a woman had intimacy with a Shochuf, and the Shochuf happened to be a person that is forbidden to the realm of Kahuna, a type of man. Uh, for example, and Rashi lists them off: a, a Gentile, a slave, a cholal, a nosin, a mamzer. These are people that a woman, if she would have relations with them, that woman would not be allowed to marry a kohen. It's uh, something to bear in mind. Amongst the list, we saw here a Gentile. So, if you have a situation of a of a of a girl, a woman that at some point. Uh, had a had a fling with a uh, with a non-Jew. That woman cannot marry a Kohen. That woman is puzzle is cannot uh, eat from truma. Ordinarily, a woman who who would marry a Kohen is entitled to eat truma. She's not going to be allowed to eat truma. Uh, not only that, but uh, if she was a she's a daughter of a Kohen. As a result of having intimacy with these, with one of those people that we just mentioned, she is uh, disqualified from continuing to consume truma. So, as far as what the Mishnah means when it says that kinui has no relevance to an enoish, uh, the Mishnah is not trying to exclude a shachuf. Now we go into the bracketed section. Mekanin al yodai that the husband can warn not to be with that kind of man. Pshita, is that not obvious? So, mahu without Shmuel teaching me this point, that mekanen al yodo, regarding a shochuf, I would have thought, based on the posuk, v'shochav ish oiso shichvazera omar rachmona. The Hosuk in the Parshav Sota describes a man having intimacy with the woman in a fashion where uh, there's shichva zera, where there is male seed and they will say the the uh, potential for reproduction. The high lav bar and a shochuf is incapable of that. Komash Malon Shmuel tells us that even so. Mekanen al yodo. The second point that Shmuel made was upoisel betruma, intimacy with the shachuf. Uh, if he's one of the forbidden men that we mentioned before, that would disqualify her from truma pshita. Well, is that not obvious? If the shachuf happens to be a gentile, is he not a gentile? Is, if he's a slave, is he not a slave? So those people disqualify women from uh, further truma consumption. Why does Shmuel have to tell me that? Mahu See, I would have thought Lo zaroi rachmona. The Torah, when it speaks about uh, prohibited 
relations with regard to the kahuna, it says lo yechalel zaro. The is lay zera lichlal. The less lay zera lo lichlal. I would have taken that to mean that a man that has uh, seed, has male seed, he can ruin a woman through intimacy. A man that doesn't have seed, like the shachuf, wouldn't be capable of disqualifying the woman from truma. Komash Malon, now here if we look in the Rashi to appreciate this, Komash Malon, Shmuel de Posel. Shmuel informs us that he does pasel. Shaminon le meha di Omar mekanen al We derive this from that which he said, that a warning concerning a paramour that happens to be a shachuf has relevance. So we see that as far as his ability to uh, create prohibition on the part of the woman to her husband, it shows us that he also would be able to impart uh, truma prohibition if he, this shochuf, happens to be one of those forbidden men. We turn back to the Gemara, the Ella. We, we realize we are going back to the question of what does Mishenoish uh, mean in the Mishnah. Well, the Ella Lemute Maybe what the Mishnah is saying is that a warning that a husband issues to his wife not to be with a paramour who happens to be a Gentile, that would not be a warning. That wouldn't be a uh, an example of a sota. But the Hamar Rav Hamluna, but Rav Hamluna teaches Just like we said before by the Shachuf, the the Yichovim can be the subject of a kinui mekanen, the kinui, the warning, and intimacy with the Yichovim will render her prohibited from eating truma. And now in the bracket, mekanen al pshita. Isn't that obvious that kinui would include uh, a warning against being with an idol worshipper, with a Gentile. So, Mahu I might have thought, without Rav Hamluna telling me this, I would have thought, Nitma, Nitma, We saw this type of reasoning up on the top line as well. That the fact that the Torah repeats the word Nitma, one is telling us that she becomes prohibited to her husband and the other nitma tells us that she becomes prohibited forever to the boil to the paramour well I would have thought that the sota parsha is applicable the sota um, section of the Torah is applicable to women that become prohibited in this act of intimacy in other words, without this act of intimacy, she wouldn't have been prohibited to that man. But when it comes to a Gentile, since she's prohibited anyway, it's quite well known that Judaism prohibits what we call intermarriage. It prohibits intimacy with people that are not Jews. So she was also to him anyway. So I would have thought that the Parsha of Sota doesn't apply. Therefore, Rav Hamluna had to tell me not to think thusly. Namely, that even though he is prohibited anyway, 
the Kinui still has relevance if the uh, Kinui happened to be against uh, uh, seclusion with a Gentile. The second point that was made above was uposel betruma. The oivik yechavim intimacy with with a uh, Gentile will prohibit, disqualify the daughter of a Kohen from continuing the eating of truma. She does that, not obvious. The Gemara answers. Now notice, this is a long answer. So, ma'u detema, without Rav Hamluna, I would have thought, ubas kohen kisiye le'ish zor omarachmona. The section of the Torah that describes disqualification from truma speaks about the daughter of a Kohen, Kisiya. The word Tihiya is a of central importance for us right now. And that's what the Torah says. A woman that is Tielizar Debar Havayoin. The word Tihiya indicates marriage. Uh, halachic legal halachic marriage. Debar Havaya in someone who is capable, who is let's say recognized by halacha of having legal marriage potential. Someone like that could disqualify through his intimacy. However, Dalav Bar Havayalo, someone who doesn't have uh, a um, halachically recognized marriage possibility. Uh, an idol worshiper, a Gentile. There's no concept in halacha of what's called the concept of marriage between a Jew and a Gentile. It's just there's no halachic bond that takes place. Physically, they might, uh, they might have a fling one with the other, but has no halachic status. So, <clears throat> I would have thought that uh, someone like that that's not a bar havaya bar means capable of havaya capable of marriage in a when we say capable of marriage you mean in a in a legalistic halachic sense so he's not what the Torah had in mind when it spoke about a man disqualifying a woman through intimacy from eating truma kolmash malon deposil midor of Yochanan Rav Hamluna tells us that he does render her, he meaning the Gentile, even though he's not a Bar Havaya, he does render her unfit to continue eating Truma. Based on Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Rabbi Yochanan in turn quoting the Tana Rabbi Shmuel, from where do we know that an idol worshiper, a slave that has intimacy with a, a rank-and-file Jewish woman, whether she's the daughter of a Kohen, a Levi, or Yisrael, that renders her unfit to uh, to Truma. Shenemar. Uh, not only unfit to Truma, but I should point out, it renders her unfit to marry a, a Kohen. Shenemar. The Pesach says, with regard to a woman, that let us say she... Uh, She's the daughter of a coin that happened to become, that was married to a Yisrael. The daughter of a coin that's married to Yisrael is not allowed to continue eating truma, but if she becomes a widow, she goes back to her father's home. The daughter of a coin, for example, gets divorced. Uh, she was married to a Yisrael. She wasn't able to eat truma when she's married to Yisrael, but she got divorced from Yisrael. She goes back to her father's house and resumes eating truma. So the, the Pasuk says regarding that, that that uh, phenomenon of her going back home to to Kohen, 
father's house. It says in the Pasuk, Ubas Kaihen Kisia Almana Ugrusha. And the continuation of the Pasuk, you can see we've quoted the Pasuk in its entirety on the side. Vayikra Perik Chofbeis Pasuk Yudgimel. Let's read what we have on the side of the Gemara. Ubas Kaihen Kisia Almana Ugrusha. Vizera ain law, she has no children from her uh, non Kohen husband. Vishovel Besovia, Kinurel, Milechovios, Tochel, Vachosar, Loyochalbo. She goes back to her father's house, who happens to be a Kohen, and she resumes eating Trumo. Now, we go back to our Gemara text. Since the Possig says, Ubas Kohenki Siel Almono Grusha, Mi Shieshlo Almonus Vigerushin Ba. Who, what kind of woman resumes the eating of truma? A woman that happened to be with a man that the concept of widowhood or the concept of divorce has relevance. I say concept of divorce, what's more than a concept? It's the, the legal phenomenon of divorce taking place has relevance. That's true when you're dealing with a Bas Kohen, the Dorva Kohen, that happened to have been with a uh, married to a regular Jew. However, Yotsu Oive Kichavim Ve'eved Lo Almonus Ve'gerishin Ba. This Pasuk will exclude a, a woman, or I should say, this Pasuk will disqualify a woman from eating Truma if she happened to have been with a man that doesn't have Almonus and Gerishin in her, a, uh, a Gentile or a slave. If a woman is, uh, a Jewish woman, is, we'll say intermarried, in terms of halacha, there's no divorce that's necessary. She was never married to him. I'm not talking right now about uh, secular governmental requirements. That's not of any concern to this particular discussion. A, a Jewish woman that happens to be with an uh, with a Gentile, there's no divorce. There's no uh, halachic Jewish divorce that's necessary. She just walks out. Uh, if if he dies, she's not described as an almona, as a widow. And the same is true with regard to a slave. So it's from that that we understand that an, an, an Ovid Kechavim or an Evid will disqualify a woman from resuming the consumption of Truma. Well, but don't forget, what's our topic? What's the Eino Ish that the Mishnah referred to? The Elo Lemute Mai, who is excluded from Kinui by the Mishnah telling us that there's no Kinui from an Eino Ish? Omar of Papa Lemute Behema. The Ein Znus Bevehema. The Mishnah is telling us that the, a, a Kinui stated to a woman a warning to one's wife: Don't be in private. Don't don't go into seclusion with uh, Rover, the uh, the the German Shepherd. That has no uh, uh, Kinui relevance. Namely, if she goes into seclusion with the dog, she's not going to become prohibited to her husband. And and why is that? Because what is it that does make her prohibited to the husband? Her going into seclusion with 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 an with that which the concept of znus has relevance. It's a, the word znus is it's hard to approach the word znus by by simple literal translation. Znus, if you were to translate it as 
forbidden intimacy, that would not be accurate over here. Because the intimacy with the behemoth is forbidden. But, but Znus represents a halachic concept. And the Gemara will explain how, how do you uh, evaluate that? How do you prove when something is classified as Znus as opposed to something, though it's a prohibited intimacy, you're dealing with a prohibited sexual intercourse, but it's not called znus. It doesn't have the <clears throat> this, the halachic status of znus. What creates sota? A, a seclusion with a with a human being, where the concept of znus does have relevance. Now, how do we evaluate that? How do you how do you how do you uh, demonstrate what is considered znus? That is what we uh, do in the bracketed section right now. These brackets are a bit different than the brackets that we had before, in the sense that uh, the use of the brackets before was simply to enable you to see quickly what was the Mishnah teaching when it said, there's no kinu by Enoish. We've come to that conclusion right now. Enoish is a behemoth. On the side, we have a note. You'll note there's a double star. After these brackets, the Gemara will go back to a detail that was mentioned above. Within the brackets, the Gemara will be proving that the concept of Znus has no relevance to uh, the uh, to sexual intimacy with a behemoth, with an animal. If you want to skip momentarily, even though these brackets are not really for skipping purposes, you'll notice the Gemara thereafter the bracket says, says lomali. Using your arrow, you can see way up, higher, way up on the page, the corresponding arrow, at which point the Gemara uh, mentioned in the Shochuf discussion, I might have thought that Shochuf in fact is excluded because the Pasuk says, The more then told us, no, the Shochuf is not excluded. Well, if the Shochuf is not excluded, so then what does that Pasuk, Shechva um, Zera, in fact teach me? Okay, we'll get back to that in Mitzvah Hashem a little later. Let's go through now the brackets. Omar le Ravomi Parzakya le Ravashi. Minoho milsa di Omar Abonan ein znus bevehema. Rava asks Ravashi, from where do the Rabbonan derive this concept of ein znus bevehema? Dichtiv. Lo sovi esnan zaina u mechir kelev. Beis Hashem alokecha. The Pasuk is teaching that when one considers what to bring as a sacrifice, one shall not bring as a sacrifice to the Beis HaMikdash something that's called an Esnan Zona or a Mechir Kelev. What are these things? Very simply, a person has a sheep. And, he, and the sheep is a type of animal that if everything is okay, it's fit to be offered as a sacrifice. You can, you can sanctify it and bring it as a sacrifice. Let's say you took the sheep and you paid a harlot for services rendered. You gave 
a woman a sheep in exchange for her providing you with uh, sexual intimacy. That animal is prohibited as a sacrifice. Esnan zona. A, we'll say it's a payment made to a lady uh, for harlotry relations. Another thing is uh, mentioned in the Pasuk. Mechir Kelev. What is that? Imagine a person uh, exchanged, uh, he, let's say he bartered a sheep in exchange for a dog. So I gave you a sheep and you gave me your dog. Now that you have the sheep, that sheep cannot be brought as a sacrifice. Vitanya. We continue reading in the Gemara. Esnan Kelev Umechirzona. Notice the switch around. An Esnan Kelev and Mechirzona Mutorin. What is an Esnan Kelev? So you take a look at Rashi. Rashi that we're looking at is in the lower part of the narrow lines. Esnan Kelev Shim Odom Oimer Lezona. Imagine a, a man approaches a, a harlot. Helech Tle, I want to give you a sheep. And I want you, Mrs. Harlot, to have sexual intercourse with my dog. So what did he do? He paid the harlot for services. Not that she would provide the man with her harlotrous services, but she would be with the dog, an act of bestiality. Now this is disgusting. It is reprehensible and prohibited, and you can use any other adjective you like. But one thing is that the sheep that she received for her bestial relations with the dog, that sheep is kosher to be brought as a sacrifice. That's an Esnan Kelev. So what happened over here? She had relations with a dog. Oh. That, you can see, is therefore not called Znus. What did the Torah prohibit? And A gift, a sheep, given to a Zona. A Zona is not just a harlot. But it happens to be it's a harlot, and the relations would be classified as nus. The payment of the sheep for her to have relations with the animal is not called nus. Uh, what else is mutter? Mechir zona. What is that? Rashi. Mechir zona. Rashi says, Hoiso lo shivcha zona. A person happened to have a, a bondmate that happened to also uh, be a, a harlot. And uh, he took his bondmate and he went to his uh, friend and said, you know, I, I need a sheep. I will give you this human slave, bondmate, Zona, take her and give me your sheep. That uh, sheep is allowed to be brought as a sacrifice. It's not a sheep given in, in exchange for a dog. It's a sheep that was given in exchange for a zona. Rashi goes on, esnan kelev mutter, from the fact that we're teaching here that the gift, <coughs> the payment given to the harlot for her having relations with the dog is allowed, michlal delavs nusu, 
these nusu have a chayol oleo shem esnan. Had that act been called an act of znus, so then the payment given to the harlot for her relations with the dog would have been con- considered an esnan. As we saw, the Pesach said, lo sovi esnan zona. So that from here we derive that the act of relations with the dog doesn't fall under the halachic category or into the halachic concept of znus. Now, how do we know that? When we read the Pesach, lo sovi esnan zona mechir kelev, how do you know that only those are prohibited, but when you switch them around, namely, instead of saying esnan zona, it's an esnan kelev or mechir zona, those the sheep in those cases would be allowed. Shenemar, <coughs> the Pesach says, Gam Shnehem, Shnayim Velo Arba. Two are prohibited, namely Esnan Zona and Nechir Kelev. Those are the two examples of prohibition, but two more examples are not. There's the two and not four. And as we said, here the Gemara refers back to a point mentioned earlier. There's a Pesach. Bamidbar, Perak Hay, Pasuk Yud Gimel. We had cited this earlier. Uh, let's look at the side of the Gemara. It says, V'shochav ish oisla shich vazera, V'neela me'einei isha, V'nistera v'hi nitma, V'eid ein ba, V'hi lo nitpasa. The Gemara asks, In light of what we said earlier, that V'shochav ish oisla shich vazera, does in fact not come to exclude the Shachuf. Without Shmuel, I would have thought that that Pusik <coughs> would exclude the Shachuf. But it doesn't do that. So what does it do? What does this Pusuk in Bamidbar Hey Pusuk Yud Gimel teach us? Uh, and I can't emphasize enough this pasuk. I'm sure you know. I'm, I know I'm saying the obvious. This pasuk is in the parsha of Sota. When you see Bamidbar Hey, most of Bamidbar Hey talks about Sota. So what <coughs> what relevance does this pasuk have with regard to the realm of Sota? I need it for the following teaching. Shichvazera prat ledovoracher. The term Shichvazera is coming to exclude something else. Something else that would not be considered a kinui. My Dovaracher, what's that other thing that's not considered a kinui? That wouldn't fall under the category of a halachic warning a husband issues to his wife? On the side of the Gemara, you see we have a nosei slash mivneheding. A diamond appears. Maybe your eye caught a number of diamonds in the Gemara text. Shich vazera prat Dugma shel kinui sheino kinui. Shlavim levar mahu The diamond represents stages in order to figure out what does this Tanaic source mean when it says prat ledovar acher. Omar Rav Sheshes prat leshekino lo shelo kedarko. And we mentioned that the Gemara appears in stages, so we'll give explanations. But you have to realize at each point we're going to reject the explanation until we get to the end. So the thinking right now is, a husband warns his wife, I don't want you to have <clears throat> intimacy in a Shalom Kadarka fashion with so-and-so. Shalom Kadarka is a, we'll call it, it's a, a, a male 
uh, active intimacy with the woman in the uh, in, in a way that's not the through the normal uh, female orifice of reproduction, but it's his intimacy with her through shalokadaka in the in the in, a, in the other orifice that appears in the female anatomy. So if a husband would warn his wife, don't be it. I don't want you to uh, to go into private with so and so for uh, for an act of intimacy in a shalokadaka fashion. Well, that would not be considered a a warning. It wouldn't have uh, the the sota connotation. Armalei Rava Rava says that's not true. Shalokadaka mishkebeishuksiv. When the Torah warns against forbidden intimacy. A woman married to a particular man, she's not allowed to be in intimacy with any other man. <coughs> and the Torah says, Mishkevei Isha. <coughs> Mishkevei is a word in the plural. That means whether it's through the normal uh, orifice of reproduction or the other orifice as well. Uh, that's, uh, when I say the other orifice, it's in the other orifice in that part of the, uh, the female anatomy, that area of her body. Well, so then, if that, namely Shalok Kedarka, is not the intention of this source, Prat L'Dovaracher, then what is? Elo Amarova, Prat L'Shekina Lo Derech Evorem. That would be, uh, if you look in, in the Rashi, you will see, without reading it together right now, you see it's called, it's called Shkiva Bekiruv Basar. Means uh, he warns his uh, his wife, I don't want you to have, we'll say, uh, uh, bodily contact, and when we say bodily contact, we're not uh, we're not implying uh, um, actual uh, intercourse, but simply lying together, we'll say unclothed in the same bed. So that would not be considered a kinui. Omar lay abaye. Abaye says, "Pritzusa biamohi, o pritzusa mi osa rachmona." Pritusa is uh, uh, an expression that refers to, we'll say, uh, extreme immodesty. For a, a married woman to uh, have, uh, let's say, bodily contact with another man, that's uh, it's, it's reprehensible, it's pritus, it's uh, disgusting, it's improper. However, would that make a woman prohibited to her husband? The, when the Lord says Pritzusa mi osar rachmona, mi osar means would the Torah rachmona is the Torah would it would it prohibit a, a wife to be to to be with her husband to to uh, go back to her husband if she happened to have been engaged in Pritzus simply lying uh, unclothed with another man in the same bed? No, it's as I said, we're not. Sanctioning that—that's a, that's a terrible thing to do. However, that kind of of uh, uh, reprehensible behavior is not sufficiently uh, problematic to render the woman prohibited to her husband. Elo Omar Abaye. So, what does Dovarachir refer to? Prat l'shekina law b'neshika. Now, here's a. A case in point that translation would be a very, a very big disservice. The word neshika is a euphemism 
So what does it refer to? Nishika is the male organ having, we'll say, a, a, a contact with the female in, a, uh, in an incomplete fashion. What do we mean by that? So there are, are two approaches. And we'll go through, as we go through the Gemara, you will see the two approaches. So does a, a warning that a husband issues to his wife, I don't want you to be in, in, uh, in uh, seclusion with so-and-so in a Nishika fashion, that would not be considered kinui. Well, ha nicha lamanda omar he'ara zu hachnosa satora avo nishika v'lo klumhi hainu da'asi kra the posuk of shich v'asera is coming to limute nishika. The Torah speaks about an act called he'ara. Rashi quotes the psukim es mikora he'ara es she'ero he'ara that word he'ara or he'ara as the Gemara presents it is a reference to a partial act of intercourse what how much is it so he'ara according to this first approach if is considered hachnosas atora hachnosas atora is as we say a partial insertion. The uh, we'll say the the tip or the the extreme end of the male organ is in fact inserted. There's a partial insertion that is considered an act that the Torah prohibits as uh, as an act of intimacy. So if that Ha'orah is defined as Hachnosas HaTorah. A less uh, invasive or a lesser level of insertion, merely a superficial contact. Nishika is just simply where they, there's simple contact without any insertion whatsoever. That would be nothing. Oh, if that's nothing, nothing, and when I say nothing again, it's 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 disgusting, it's certainly immoral, and etc. and so forth. But nothing in terms of prohibiting a woman, a married woman, to returning to her husband if she happened to do this with another man. So Hainu, as we read already, if you say that Haral that the Torah prohibits as formal uh, act of intimacy. So then, nishika, nishika is left as simply nothing, and hainu da'asikro lemute nishika. The pasuk of shich vaser is comes, coming to tell me that nishika is a nothing. Elolaman d'omar, continuing in the Gemara, d'omar he'eroa zu nishika. There's another approach that says that when the Torah prohibits he'eroa, we 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 cited the psukim before. You can see them in the Rashi, second line from the bottom, as or as What is the Torah saying that is forbidden to do? According to this other opinion, that is Nishika. Nishika, that's the, the male organ having a contact without insertion, contact with the female at her area of, let's say, gender identi- identity. 
without insertion. My Ika Lemaimar. What then can you say as to the role of the Posik, Sheikh Fazer? What's it coming to exclude? Because according to this opinion, <coughs> that Hera is Nashika, that means that Nashika is a formal act of prohibited intimacy. You couldn't say then that the Kinui would exclude that. Lo'ilom, stage four, which is really a throwback to what was said uh, by Rava at stage two. Lo'ilom, l'shekina lo'derech evaram. The case is that the husband had warned her, I don't want you to go into seclusion for the purpose of lying together uh, with another man without the, uh, the act of intimacy. Simply lying, b'kiruv uh, basar, as Rashi says. We uh, we said before. Oh, that, that's obvious. That you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought you wouldn't need a pasuk to tell me that she is not prohibited to her husband if that's all that would have happened. Uma who did without the pasuk and the Tanaic source that said prat without that I would have thought bikpeda the baal talia rachmana ubal hokakopid that the rules of Kinui are established on a subjective basis. Namely, the husband, her husband is Makpid, objects. That Kinui is defined, as we say, subjectively by the, this particular man's level of objection. And he expresses his objection to the Derech uh, Komash Malon, the Posuk of Shifa Zera, reveals to us that she does not become prohibited with a kinui that focused, that specified Derech Evorim. We continue in the Gemara with a uh, new topic. On the side, you'll notice we have a no say, a topic heading Lisa Duma Obas Duma. Machlokis Shmuel for Yochanan. A man is confronted with a choice of marrying one of two women. That's all. These are the only women that are available for this man. That's, of course, we're setting up a, a we'll call it a theoretical scenario in order to uh, appreciate the the the, the machlokis, the controversy between Shmuel and Rabbi Yochanan. Two women that are available to a man, and he has to make a choice. Should he marry a Duma or marry a Bas Duma? And of course, everyone is asking, what in the world is a Duma and what's a Bas Duma? A Duma is a woman who is suspect of engaging in harlotry. Uh, Duma literally has to do with speech, with murmurings. Uh, the kind of woman that uh, attracts attention and people talk about her. What kind of woman is that? A woman that engages in harlotry. Everyone is, uh, uh, people start to talk about her, her uh, waywardness, her uh, lifestyle. Abbas Duma is, as you probably guessed, it's the daughter of such a woman. What are the considerations? Let's go on in the Gemara and we'll see each uh, point of view. Omar Shmuel, Yisa Adam, we continue at the top of the Abchof Zayin. Duma, Va'al Yisa Bas Duma. It would be better if that's the only choice that he has. He has to choose one of them. It would be better for him to choose the Duma than the Bas Duma. Shezu, the, the mother, that may mean the Duma, 
Her parents were fine people. Tipa literally is a, the drop, the drop of human seed. In other words, she comes from parents that were kosher people. And therefore, the Duma, even though she's chosen an objectionable lifestyle, nevertheless, she herself uh, comes from, we'll say, a kosher pedigree. The zoo, the daughter, Bami Tipa Psula. We look in Rashi on the first narrow line. The zoo Bami Tipa Mibia Psula. He has a different curse than our Gemara, but it's the same idea. Bia Psula means a forbidden intimacy. You have a lady who practices a very uh, free lifestyle. She has relations with any man that comes by, including uh, idol worshippers or mamzerim. What would that what would what would that make of the girl then? Certainly, if the fellow was a mamzer, she would be a mamzeris, and why uh, an acceptable Jew, rank and file Jew from the Jewish community, wouldn't want to marry. Imam Zeres would be prohibited. To, she would be prohibited to him. So that the daughter of the uh, Duma, the harlotrous type, she is more problematic. For Rabbi Yochanan Omar, Yisod Dumbas, Duma Val Yisod Duma. Rabbi Yochanan is better for a man to choose actually the daughter of the Duma than the Duma herself. Shezu Oymedis Becheskas Kashrus, the daughter, she's a fine girl in terms of her uh, morality. Where she comes from is a different story, but in terms of her own daily conduct, she's fine. And therefore, if a man marries her, he doesn't have to suspect that she's, uh, she's going to go with other men and, 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 and thereby become prohibited to him, to the husband. However, Vizu, the Duma, you married a woman like that, uh, you can very very reasonably assume she's going to after you marry her, she's going to go back to her harlotish ways and, and be with other men and if she goes with other men as a married woman she's prohibited to you the husband if we take a look in the Rashi she will continue her znus while married to him and become prohibited to you to the husband the who ain't no roe. He doesn't see the ain't no megarsha. Ubalabiser. He doesn't. He's not aware. He doesn't know for sure, and he's not going to divorce her. And the husband that continues living with a wife like that is having is living uh, in in sin daily. So we now have presented the two opinions: Shmuel and Rabbi Yochanan Meisvei. We raise an objection, and from this source it says no. You say Adam Duma. This would be a kasha on. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said, "Are you so Duma?" Here it says, "A man should marry a Duma." Amar Rava Vitisbara, Rava says, this, this, "This source needs to be explained." He says, "Is it is it reliable?" No say. Lechatchila, the the source says, "No say." You should marry a Duma. Is that really so? Is that the recommend? Is that the recommended type wife one should seek? Elohim Nasa, the the source cannot be left as it is reading no say, but rather it should be at least understood if not actually textually reread as im nasa if a person married in other words it's not stating a first choice the source is telling us that, that if a man married a, a duma so his, his children will still be considered kosher well then tninami bas duma so then 
once you're restating the source, you can restate it as reading Bastuma. We take a look at the Rashi across from here, Vitisbra, no to suggest the man should choose a Duma as a wife, she's gonna mess up on him. She's, she'll very likely be with other men. the source is as it is, is a is is itself messed up, is shibush, a mistake. Uboyas you have to straighten it out, and rather read it as follows. Im Nosa Odom Duma Mutter. If a person married a Duma, so it's okay. The cave on the boys and since you have to restate the source, you have to straighten it out. Alma Tano Lav Dafka. The Tano is not Dafka, I mean it's not Meduic, it's not precise. The Lomos Vinon Minon, you can't use it as a basis for asking questions on other opinions. The Bahonami there's room to say that in this area you also made a mistake with Tininami Bastuma. And and state it as Bastuma like Rabbi Yochanan. The Anan Nami Ki Amrinon Yisa Adam Zu Velo Yisa Zu. The in our original discussion we saw the uh, Gemara saying Yisa person sounds like the same problem. He should marry uh, a Duma, not marry a Bastuma, or vice versa. It's not a first choice if you have some kind of other option. Uh, as we said in, in our introduction to this section, regarding someone that has no other choice than these two, then we say, choose this over that. The Gemara continues, The Gemara rules like Rabbi Yochanan, that if given that that's, your okay, those two are your only choices. Choose the Bas Duma and not the Duma. The Tony Rav Tachlifa Bar Marovo Yavo. By the way, before we go on, what was the possible problem with the Bas Duma? Well, we don't know uh, where she comes from. After all, her mother is a Duma. So, so we're telling you now that doesn't present a big problem. Why? Based on Rav Tachlifa's teaching. He taught in front of Rabbi Avol the following: Isha Mezana, Bonel Ksherim, a woman who is a suspect of being a, a, a zoyna, meaning she's suspect of harlotry. Her children are kosher. Rov beilos achar habal. The majority of her intimacies are with her husband. It's true, if she's a married woman and has intimacy with another man, the resultant child is a mamzer, is not kosher. But when you don't know anything, you have a woman that has a loose lifestyle, nevertheless you can rely on the fact, or you can rely on the phenomenon of, the, of, of what he teaches here, that the majority of her acts of intimacy are with her husband. And, and, and when, when you have doubt, you can base yourself on the rove, on a majority. Here the Gemara raises a question. It takes a number of lines to develop the question. Boy Rav Amram, Hoysa Prutsa Beyoser Mahu. Imagine you have a woman that is exceptionally frivolous, Prutsa, uh, exceptionally uh, loose. What is the story with her children? Aliba de Mandomar, according to this, the first of two opinions that the Gemara will present, there really is no, uh, we're not going to be asking the question. 
it's rather according to the second mandamar. You can see we've underlined the expression mandamar where the question will come to a head. So in Alima the mandamar ain isha misaberes ella somuch levesta lo tibayalochta lo yodabov lo mintar lo. According to the opinion that the most opportune time for a woman to become pregnant is somuch levesta means right before the word somuch it's a tricky word sometimes it means next to whether it's before or after you have to evaluate it in context there, there is an opinion that says that the time for the most opportune time for a woman to become pregnant is right before the appearance of her female menstrual cycle the vesta the appearance of blood uh so right before that, then let's assume that we're dealing, as Toysvah says, with a woman whose cycle is not consistent. It's not with regularity. It lacks regularity. It's the, in halachic terms, we say lokovavesis. So a husband, according to this opinion, he is not going to know when his wife is most uh, likely to become pregnant. So since he doesn't know, he's not able to watch over her. That's lo mintar. Mintar is to watch, supervise. He's not going to be in a position to supervise because it can happen any time. Uh, key. So in a case like that, the husband's ability to supervise is pretty much null. And uh, from the context of the Gemara with Rashi's explanation that we're asking about the, que- about the children... The children would then be quite, we'll say, highly questionable. Ki tiboy aloch aliba demandomer ein ishem esaberes elosomuch litvilasa mai. Rav Amram's question is with regard to a a woman, of the, according to the opinion, what's uh, here is regarding a woman who's very, very uh, loose. According to the opinion that a woman's most likely time to become pregnant is right after her immersion in the mikvah. Let us make the assumption that, even though we're dealing with a, a, a woman who's prutza, but uh, uh, husbands are aware, and these women will go to the uh, mikvah, the uh, ritual bath that purifies her and makes her, uh, enables her to be permitted to her husband. That's the time that women become, uh, that is most likely that they will become pregnant. So, now the question is analyzed. Since he, the husband, knows when she goes to mikveh, so he'll have his eye on her, he'll supervise her. That's the time that she, that's, mo, that, that, that's most likely for her to become pregnant. And as far as the question of children's identity, ch- children's kashrus, he'll be able to supervise that. Or, possibly, since she happens to be a very loose woman, there is still room to uh, consider that she will slip out on him. Uh, and uh, he won't have uh, supervision over her. Teku. So this remains unresolved. I should point out, even though maybe it was uh, quite obvious from the context, Rashi, uh, Rashi that I'm looking at right now is a little more than halfway down. 
the woman that Rav Amram was asking about, the exceptionally loose woman, the Iko Lamechash, in a case of Prutsa Bioser, very loose, there is room to suspect the Roy Bilosel Mishalachem that the majority of her acts of intimacy are in fact with others. What about the Kashras of her children? So, as we said, this question was focused, or this question can be asked only according to the opinion that says, that Isha Misabera Somach Litvilasa, because according to the opinion of Isha Misabera Somach Levesta, there's no way the husband would be able to supervise her. So the, the children's cash uh, would be highly questionable because Rov Bilosa are really with others. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.